Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. I'm your host Shri Ayer. Today, Richa Gautam, a writer who has written for P Guru's and she has also been on our video hangouts, joins me to talk about the Seattle Council resolution and the aftermath and what lies ahead. So let's welcome Richa Ji. Richa Ji, Namaskar and welcome to P Guru's channel. How are you? Namaste Shri Ji. Long time. I'm really doing good. Thank you for hosting me today. My pleasure, uh, Richa Ji. Uh, yesterday, you know, both of us probably uh, kind of watched it right, like 9 a.m. my time, which is probably 10 a.m. your time, and right the, all the way to the end when the resolution was voted upon. One thing that surprised me, at least, I don't know about you, was the number of people who were for this caste discrimination, and it clearly showed that they were all you know, they are reading from rehearsed scripts, which probably is okay. Most people do that. But what the problem was, to me at least, was that none of them had a quantifiable instance of something where they were discriminated for their caste. Not a single one. And yet the council went ahead and voted for it. This is how I uh, perceived it. I could be wrong, but what did you see and how do you see this playing ahead? Gee, absolutely, Shriji. I think you summarized it so well. You know, uh, there has not been a single recorded case of caste discrimination, either in Seattle or, you know, most of the cities or universities. I remember when we were fighting the Santa Clara Human Rights Commission, the Alphabet Workers Union, which incidentally is also one of the supporting, um, you know, unions for this caste resolution in Seattle, when he was asked um, on the spot, during a live um, meeting, whether there was any instance in Google um, of where there was caste discrimination, he said, uh, no, 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 we've not had any, I've not heard of any. So basically they are all supporting this without any real uh, you know, quantifiable reason. And also, as you know, you know, the surveys have pointed in the direction that there is absolute diluted caste identity in the United States, um, you know, yet, they don't refer to that recent survey by Carnegie Endowment, but they refer to the ancient seven years ago um, data collected by Equality Labs, which we all know is unscientific. It's so flawed. Said, I mean, there's there's not two ways about it. It's a flawed uh, report. We have told so many faults there, and many of the speakers did say that, and yet somehow the council saw it in their wisdom to go ahead and still vote yes. What was the reason you think? Was it just the sheer numbers or? Am I missing something? So definitely not the numbers, because what I can see is that, you know, it was pre-decided when, I mean, we have been talking to them uh, for the past uh, three, four weeks since we found out that this resolution will be on the table or this ordinance will be on the table. And, uh, you know, during the meetings in the past, also, we saw that our voices were canceled out. Out of 45, only three of our speakers were allowed to speak during a public meeting on the 14th of February. And uh, there's a lot of push, you know, by uh, a sort of not it's not a cabal, but it's a political machinery that is pushing this. And I remember it takes me back to CAA, anti-CAA resolutions which was also a lot of grandstanding because obviously a city council had no standing to talk about India, uh, but they were. And not only that, when I spoke to Chicago alders and alders in different cities, they were clueless, obviously. And they actually told me that, please go and talk to Shama Savant, 
you know. So the one thing that I know is that there is a bigger machinery behind Shema Savan than people seem to say that, oh, you know, she's being canceled out. She had the, there was a recall against her. And that is why she's just this is her last hurrah. But I don't think so. You know, um, I think that she's actually graduating into official troublemaker position because she's going to become um, sort of a union leader um, and a national union leader uh, with workers strike back. And so it is sort of the things that we have seen in India for a long time, you know, what I call as urban nuxels. So this is something that America needs to watch out for, even though we fight it as Indian Americans or Hindu Americans, you know, we have to see that there is a bigger global picture in the United States that needs to be aware that Indian Americans are the bulwark of all the industry and good things that are happening in the United States. It could be space research, NASA, it could be tech, you know, big tech, tech, it could be financial sector, you know, all, we see everywhere, even small business. So we power the Indian economy, the American economy, and this is a hit job, not just on us, but on the American economy. Kshama Savan, you think she's going to be going at a national stage, uh, lead some workers union or something like that. But she barely escaped being, uh, you know, recalled. And I think her term ends in the city council. Either, either it has already ended or it is going to end soon. So really, there is no future for her. I mean, is this like a a breath of life for her to try and show this on her resume brownie point saying that okay i got this thing also more importantly did you try to reach out to her did she talk to you so we have obviously reached out to all the city council um, councillors um i think eventually we decided to we've, we've tweeted with her name we have reached out to her on on you know all en masse to all the city councillors so mm. i don't think there is any chance that we are going to get any response um you know kona has done a great job with grassroots advocacy in um you know, in uh, in Seattle, Shobha Swamiji, I think you interviewed her. It was such a good vibe yes, yes. in that yes. video. Uh, and, you know, they were hooting and really, um, you know, like ragging our, uh, our, our people because obviously, like you said, they were in larger numbers. You know, the one thing that the other side does better is uh, uh, campaigning with these, um, you know, world peace sort of slogans in, in, uh, uh, in, in the campuses. And what we are seeing actually is while the parents understand the ground reality, given that they have lived in the, you know, India or they have understood, you know, the bigger picture, they understand that this is a hit job on us. But the students, even the Hindu Americans, even the Indian Americans, they are buying this bullshit, this BS. Sorry for that. But um, they are buying this and they, there are cases and instances where the parents are fighting with us and the children are on the other side with equality labs. So this is a big problem for us. You know, we have two issues that we really need to address. I think our organizations are doing a fantastic job with, you know, legal cases that HAF is filing, Kona's doing grassroots, you know, there's groups uh, like Hindu Action in, in Washington, D.C., but what we really need at this time is maybe an academic framework uh, 
in which we define ourselves because if we don't define ourselves, the others are going to define us. So as, as Indo-Americans, as Indian Americans, we need to find a better way to define ourselves than, oh, they are about caste and, you know, Brahminical patriarchy, these new newfound terms, which are very colonial terms. So this is sort of a recolonization of of, of us as Indians, you know, these are people, first of all, going back to those testimonials at the public hearing, these are peoples who have taken advantage of the Indian reservation affirmative action system and been able to come to the United States. Because if you look at what they call the Dalit class in Pakistan, they are languishing in feudal systems and as yes. almost like slaves, you know, yes. that's yes. where the real slavery exists. Uh, India has obviously put, you know, uh, dropped the murmur in, in the presidential position. It has brought all our people to these people who have come to the United States have now become privileged. So they are not just caste, you know, this whole idea of caste privilege is, uh, you know, we, it, we, we should, we should counter that I mean, in a legal way, in some way, because definitely this is ethnic profiling and also it's unreal and untrue that I, I do see that. <laughs> well, um, that it's what it is and very shrill voices. I thought many dramatic voices, very shrill voices. Some debaters at high school who are using those skills to parlay the outrage that they felt uh, uh, of being discriminated, yet not one of them showed a single real example where they could say, here is my complaint, here is what got acted upon, and this is what was the result. I mean, that is the QED, quad era demonstrandum, right? You show the thing, you hypothesize, you show the work, and then you show the conclusion. Without that, just making these innuendos, especially led by a person who has not even set foot on India. Did you know that? I'm told that uh, Tenmuri Soundarajan has never gone to India. Well, that puts her in good company with Isabel Wilkerson, who wrote the book, Caste is the Origin of Our Discontent. <laughs> so I think you really nailed it. Because these are two people who have not been to India, and they are the experts on caste at this time in the United States. So I think this sort of really summarizes the entire situation that we are facing. It's uh, I think that's why the word woke is really a good word because I think there is no real dictionary, uh, you know, word at this time which describes the sort of bizarreness that we are dealing with. Um, you know, we wouldn't even be talking about it. We, you know, when the Ecology Lab survey first came out, we just brushed it aside. You know, we were like, oh God, this is so silly. You know, we have better things to do. But then we realized how pernicious and, uh, you know, inimical it is getting to, uh, to us because it's getting into policy. It's going on media. It's destroying our reputation in general. Um, one of the things I want to point out, and, and it's an experience that I've had, um, you know, six years ago, I was actually added to an interfaith dialogue where uh, largely there were Sikhs and some Muslims and Christians and, of course, Hindus. And we were discussing a lot of this issue. And, of course, as soon as you're a Hindu, they talk about caste, you know, Brahminical patriarch and caste. So I, at that time, had started to do a lot of research to understand this caste trope that is hurled on us. And what I found that the, the a lot of the Sikhs there were Khalistanis, by the way, and they were, a lot of them were Sikh chairs 
in Toronto, in California, in Australia, in Europe. You know, there are Sikh chairs that have been set up who are do doing a lot of studies on these sort of issues. And so there is an academic framework that is being developed besides the Indology on uh, by our own people, like our own Indian Americans to, to define us and to define caste as a, as a, as very Hindu, you know? Uh, so, so a lot of, as you know, people who spoke there were also Sikhs who spoke about caste discrimination, etc. So we are just seeing this whole cabal that is coming together is, uh, I think it's a well-known thing that, you know, it's, even though we, we used to think it's all a Christian missionary thing. And I think those are fringe elements. What we are seeing is that it's largely driven by a left to Islamist alliance, which also drives the progressive left, which also drives this um, hijab on us. Well, we have our work cut out, haven't we? And uh, we will we will be up to the task and we are going to win. We are going to, this is the truth for God's sake. I mean, there, what you came to the United States because you saw that here was a society that rewards merit, nothing else. We left all our other baggage behind at home and and they they want to somehow drag you back into that mess and 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 just because they have a narrative that seems to be uh, right for them or seem to be of help to them i I'm, I'm 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 just you know flabbergasted is one word but i think we are up to it and we are going to show them a lot more people who can actually think this thing through who as an intellectual have to, have to get in and start you know taking them on in all these you know councils and interfaith groups that you mentioned you have to have you know representation there and people who are calm with data and say that no what you're saying is incorrect here is the proof and you you go with the proof and then you you show them you read them and and that's how you're going to counter it because once you show exact proof that this is what they're saying is not true then they have no leg to stand on Somebody there is going to say, wait a minute, this guy has brought you proof. What more do you want? Right. So I think that is one way to look at this. Thank you so much, Richaji. And we will wait and see how things play out. I'd like to have you come back maybe in a four, six weeks time again to revisit this and see how things develop. Because I'm told eight other city councils are readying the same thing. You can be sure it will be a copy paste job. Search and replace the name of the council and then they'll start doing the same thing. They have done this thing in the anti-CA. So it's no surprise. But the point, I think, is that there could be bigger ramifications for Seattle as a city because of this. And, and, and let's see how this plays out. Thank you once again. Namaskar. Namaste. Thank you.